When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, happy international break weekend and thank you for joining us on the Tripe Supper 2. I'm Dominic Shaw and I'm joined by Phil Talentire and Anthony Vickers. Uh, and it might be a little bit shorter than usual this one because we're recording on Friday afternoon and I'm in a bit of a rush to get away because I'm going to see the Killers tonight in Newcastle. Um, Top band. Yeah, class live as well. Have you seen them live? I've seen them uh, four or five times, yeah. Well, you were saying, you, you kind of spoiled it a little bit for me, she was saying that it's not the full band touring. Yeah, I'm not responsible for the guitarist and the bass player, no. player disappearing. But yeah, that's what I read. That um, it, out of the four of them, there's only two original members left tonight. Well, Brandon, the drummer and the lead singer. Yeah, Brandon will put on a show for you. Um, we were talking about that, and you got talking about bumping into famous people, footballers, the likes at gigs. Is, is there anything that anyone that springs to mind? Well, funny enough, Newcastle Arena. I always remember um, I was up there to see Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds a few years ago, and bumped into. Jason Steele and uh, Lucas Jutkovic. Of course, Lucas, well known for his um, his musical, like uh, band, his love he? of mu- music. He was in a band, wasn't he? I think as he well. Was, and uh, so was his girlfriend. Yeah. And I think the day he was unveiled, he was wearing an Arctic Monkeys yeah. t-shirt. Oh, that yeah. Really yeah. confused Mogger. Yeah, Mogger wasn't quite <laughs> sure what to make of that. But he said he'd ask uh, Darren, and he'll tell him what, what, what sort of music they play. But yeah, it's always it's always funny bumping into. Um, well, I suppose you describe them as famous people, wouldn't you? I do remember seeing. Um, Jason McAteer at, uh, again, Newcastle Arena. And I had um, a Newcastle-supporting friend of mine with us called Ian Willis, who, if you know Ian, he's, he's one of the funniest people on, on this planet. And um, he saw Jason McAteer, who was at the time a Sunderland player, and he just shouted across about five or six rows of seats, get yourself back to uh, Sunderland, or don't, but you haven't got your own arena, have you? So, you know, that kind <laughs> yeah, of stuff. Yeah. A bit more colourful, yeah. I can well Yeah, yeah it was well. a bit more colourful, that. But yeah, so um, <laughs> that was a James gig as well, so that, that was good as well. Considering I was going to tell you that I once saw Gary Windus off Coronation Street at a gig, I feel like I'm going to completely... So you said famous that. people. Yeah. yeah, so I'll just move over to you instead, Vic. Are you, any, any, any famous names to drop? Uh, I don't think too many rich and famous people go to the kind of gigs I'm <laughs> a bit niche, but uh, no, I don't think so. Although I did accidentally go on holiday with the Borough Squad once. Well, that's that's counts, yeah. Counts. Well, I'll tell you what, just a moment into that. My mum went on a, my and dad went, went on a flight with the, the, the Portugal national team. It was when my, uh, my brother was playing for Borough as, as a kid and they were playing a tournament somewhere. And they went on a, a, a flight and they were on with the Portugal national team. Cristiano Ronaldo, of course, was there mm-hmm. in the. It, the dog's bollocks, as they say. The, the year Lenny Lawrence's team got promoted, I'd managed to blag a, a, a freebie press trip to Mallorca. And uh, the first day we were there, we opened the curtains and looked over the balcony, and immediately below us was the entire borough team all laid out on sun lounges. <laughs> They'd got a freebie from the same company. Uh, we, we bumped into them all over the, the, the resort uh, for the week or so uh, in bars but we actually got on really well with them and, and by the end of the week John Gittins actually proposed to my wife to be <laughs> kind of forcing the issue <laughs> she was involved in Back a, in you a, in a, a tug of war <laughs> talk, talk of sharing flights I, I have a thing with sharing flights with some players I, I once shared a flight with Asamoah Jean the day after he signed and then also um, Costas Pantilimon 
DNA. The, the, the tower of a goalkeeper, yeah, who somehow, got his, somehow got his legs into an easy jet flight. I never, never know. We managed to ease him on those seats. But, I, do, but, I, do, I do remember being uh, coming back from uh, Schiphol once. We've been on holiday, family holiday to, um, to Holland and uh, just waiting in the little flight back to Teesside, as you do in, uh, in Schiphol. And I looked across all this rather dour faced young blonde haired man and I did a double take and it was uh, Tamo King <laughs> so he must have been away with Estonia right. and of course Tamo wasn't really known for his like his uh, happy go lucky outlook was he he always cast a little bit of an overcast but he did say hello on the uh, the shuttle bus between the uh, that's a major breakthrough yeah major breakthrough we, uh, as you go from the from the um, from the airport itself, you know, when they shut you across yeah, the, yeah, the tarmac yeah. to yeah. the plane. So that was um, that was quite interesting Didn't to see. Did you spend a year or so stalking Ito Karanka through uh, yeah. everywhere you went? Amsterdam yeah. Airport, twice in a row I bumped into Ito at Amsterdam Airport. The first time I'd, I'd been to Amsterdam, um, me and my girlfriend had been to Amsterdam, and he was, uh, remember, if I remember rightly, he'd been to, you know, that FIFA, mm. he went on that FIFA best 11 or something I can't remember what it was but it was some FIFA anniversary and he was there and then uh, I'd been away with the lads last year three of us had been away and sure enough we were on a connecting flight in Amsterdam and, and there he is he, he strolls on again so friend of the stars yeah I wonder where he well I was going to make some about obviously his, uh, his next move going to Sunderland after his cryptic tweet earlier this week but seeing as we don't want to do that in case someone make a radical appointment on Friday night and we're left short and, and time sensitive you mentioned international players there Phil um, Tamo King Martin Braithwaite obviously has been called into the Denmark squad he was initially travelling as a reserve um, and rightly so judging by his, his recent form for Borough he'll come up against Dan Randolph and Cyrus Christie in that, in that in, in international playoff on Saturday night Vic we've talked a lot about Braithwaite but he has been very impressive hasn't he played? he's been fantastic uh, he's an absolute pleasure to watch uh, on, on, against Sunderland on Sunday he, almost every touch was perfect. He's got some sublime touches and, and move, deft movement. And what really impresses me is he seems to think two moves ahead of everyone else. He's almost made his uh, move into space for the layoff before he's played the ball. And the, the, the problem with that is obviously is you need people on the same wavelength. And we've seen plenty of excellent players flounder because the, pl- the players around them aren't good enough. Uh, what's brought him. Uh, up to speed and, and put him on a pedestal in the last couple of weeks is the fact that he, he's got players around him that seem able to read that. Notably, Stuart Downing, who's linked up with him superbly, and he's brought the best out of, of Stewie as well. And also, Marcus Tavernier seems to be anticipating some of the moves and some of the balls. Uh, it's been a pleasure to watch him since he's come back. Obviously, he missed seven or eight games uh, injured, uh, and he, he's come back in and made a dramatic impact. And I, and I think. If he beds into the team properly and everyone around him uses him properly, I, I can see him having the kind of impact on this season that maybe Paul Merson did as, the, as a really influential player that's pulling all the strings together. I was going to say, we, we, we put something online yesterday afternoon, uh, Friday afternoon, about the, 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 the summer signing who's most impressed fans so far. It was a poll we've, we, we've run for the last couple of weeks. There was about 2,000 fans who took part. And Martin Braithwaite was... Um, I think he attracted 37 or 39 percent of the vote off the top of my head. Significant, you know, the, the, the winner by by, yeah. by quite a long way. It's it's impressive, Phil, considering you missed seven weeks of the season after picking up that injury early doors. Yeah, it is. I, I think. I mean, I've been impressed by Braithwaite as well. The only caveat I had really, which I think a few people have mentioned, is that he 
he hasn't played as many games as some of the others, and therefore, he's maybe hasn't hasn't had as many opportunities to to be as uh, to be poor. But that, that that's picking you know that's picking it hairs, isn't it? Uh, whatever. You... I think those kind of polls exaggerate recent yeah. performances because well. we know that yeah. the memory memory yeah. lapse of football now is about two weeks. I think the point I was going to make was that. It's really refreshing to see a player come into the team and make an Im- Im- almost immediate impact. I know he had a quiet game against Wolves, but the whole team did really. But and then he was injured, so he couldn't really make an impact. But when he, since he's come back, it's almost not quite, but almost coincided completely with Burris' turnaround in fortunes, hasn't it? I think it gives opposition it gives the opposition a problem. And when you've got players like you saw against Sunderland, we've got a player like Stuart Downing who can play that beautiful, well-weighted pass that splits a defence. And then you've got somebody else who can actually make something out of that pass. Because there's plenty of times that ball would have gone to a player and be sliced into the, into the south stand or hit too far over the head of the, 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 the far post, the player at the far post. You know, it, It's one thing to have somebody play the ball. It's another thing to have a player who can take advantage of that. And, that, and, that, and, and, and thirdly, a player who can put it in the net. So it's all, all well and good having one key important player but I think if you've got a combination of that it must be a real headache for the opposition he talked this week he, he did an interview with a, with a Danish site which you um, dug out after after long enough searching for it didn't you Phil the, 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 um, you and he talked about a free roll the dark web for a second <laughs> <laughs> and I was really enjoying I was really enjoying himself in the free roll and that, not, not he, that I go on the dark web <laughs> I can't make that crystal clear <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a tribe too to come to the winter <laughs> yeah. um, he used the term free roll and, and he does seem to have free reign, doesn't he, on the pitch? I know at Barnsley, uh, it was Barnsley away when we walked away and we were talking about it on the way home and we were saying that uh, he was the best player, but it was hard to point out exactly yeah. where he was playing. He seems to have been given free reign to, to, free reign to yeah. roll. At Barnsley, was, that, it was strange at Barnsley because he had free roll, but so did Stuart Downing looking at it behind a, a fairly solid midfield. Uh, and... While it was good to see both of them interlinking and making the movement, it didn't really have any coherence to it. He now has a free role behind the striker and in between two flankers who have got decent movement, pace and touch. So it's more effective. You know, you, you, can, you can pull the strings and know that someone's actually going to make some sort of use out of it. Uh, he, he's revelled in that. When he arrived, you know, we didn't really know what he was. You know, he played up front, but... Sombolonga was presumably going to play there. We'd been told that he played on the left of a three, and uh, we we weren't sure how he would slot in. It looks to me like he's nailed down that that number ten slot, and it, he seems completely comfortable there mm-hmm. and very effective. If, if you're Lewis Baker or Patrick Bamford or Ashley Fletcher or Rudy Gustav when he comes back, you're looking at the minute and, and you see him Braithwaite. You see him Sombolonga. Sombolonga, I think he's played fourteen hundred minutes or only missed. It's come off, hasn't it, the last five, ten minutes when he's, when he's run his race. But if you're those players and you're looking, how, how difficult is it to see a way back into the eleven? Well, it is, it, firstly, it is difficult to see a way back in the eleven. But what you'd have to say is that the players that you've mentioned, by and large, haven't really made a compelling case to be in that level. I think Gustav's been unlucky, because I think he did look impressive, didn't he, when he came in the team. Actually, Fletcher hasn't done enough to warrant a, a starting place. He, you know, and I think, that's, I think it's good that Borough have high standards at the moment. So if Fletcher doesn't really turn it on, he's not going to walk into the team. Um, similarly with Lewis Baker, he had a few opportunities to nail down a place and he didn't take it. And that's, that's how it should be. Football at that level, the Championship, is a difficult, tough division. And if you're going to be, make your name in it, you've got to, you've got to be prepared to, 
to, to, to impact matches and, and that's the difference between say Baker and Braithwaite is when Braithwaite's played he's caught the eye hasn't he uh, and he hasn't just caught the eye with one or two decent passes which is what which is what Baker did against QPR for example they thought he had a half decent game in that that match but he's, he's, he's caught the eye for you know significant spells of the match so far now who's to say whether he'll be able to keep that going that's the real challenge um, but in the past, Borough maybe had to play a player just because they haven't really got another alternative. That's, that, that's the beauty of Monk's squad at the moment is he can say to Ashley Fletcher, I've got somebody doing a job. You want to get that place, so you show me that you're worth mm-hmm. putting in the team. And, and uh, but Patrick Bamford's a little bit of a different case in point because there's one striker in Monk's system, isn't there? And, if it, and I, I firmly believe that if Bamford's not playing up front, he shouldn't be in the team. He's not... He's not effective enough to play as, a, as an attacking midfielder, even though, as we know, he's done okay in the past. Um, I think Borough's system suits three proper, mobile, um, playmaker type midfielders. Um, and I think with Bamford, I think Bamford's only chance really would be, and I hope it doesn't happen, obviously, Britta Sonderland Bam- getting injured or suspended. Bamford will feel doubly frustrating because he looked really good in a system that now appears to have been junked. Yeah. Uh, when they played three up front um, with Gestet and, and, and Britt, he was the one that was pulling it all together, dropping into little pockets of space. Which does make you wonder whether he could be the ten. Uh, it, well, he could, but, who, but would you drop Ray? Well, that, of course. That's the problem. So that's, that's one level of frustration. Well. Yeah, the second yeah. level, of, level of frustration is that Bamford will feel, I have done it this season, but in a shape that no longer exists. Yeah. Just briefly then, um, we know we danced from subject to subject and we do a tribe too, and we were talking about sports films and mm. football films in the, uh, in the office earlier today. I think Goal was, was initially... Yeah, well, I'd mentioned Goal, which I haven't seen, actually, and I don't think I ever will see it. Probably make a... Make, <laughs> I don't think my... my I've, I've got a limited number of years left, and I don't think I want to spend it watching Goal. I haven't heard enough about it to suggest it's going to be worth two hours of my life. I think I saw Goal, but uh, I started watching Goal too. Mm. Madrid. Isn't it the autobiography of Giulio Giordio? <laughs> but Mike Bassett, I want to. I haven't seen Mike Bassett. I want to hear a bad word said about Mike Bassett. Have you seen Mike Bassett? I haven't seen Mike Bassett. Sounds an awful film. No, oh, it's brilliant, Mike Bassett. But they did a, they did a series afterwards. Wait, I, I think he went in. A, I'm sceptical of taking your film reviews on the basis that you don't like films. Yeah. No, I don't like films. <laughs> yeah, films are garbage on the whole. Well, there is a film that you might like. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a famous film from the sixties. One of the old kitchen sink drama type films. I um, This Sporting Life, which is oh, about yeah, rugby league, rugby league. about rugby league oh, player. Yeah. I think uh, is it Richard Harris in it? I forget who played one. One of those famous. Um, and I, I, I think I, I think I might managed to stick with it. I, I do recall that years since I've seen it. That's that's well worth it. But sporting films, by and large, I don't think translate. And if you're watching black and white, it might also be worth you watching the loneliness of the long distance runner. No, which is not, which yeah. Yeah. well. Obviously, that's that's really in your niche <laughs> area. Except that. You'd have to get yourself incarcerated first before you could live it out. What I would recommend is if anyone's got an hour or so to spare um, and, and, a, and a, one night flicking through YouTube, have a look for a film called Cup Glory, I think it is. And it's, 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 a, it's a documentary following the FA Cup from start to finish in 1970-72. And Borough, there's some cracking footage of Borough playing Manchester United at Ayrson Park. Now, I think, having interviewed Mogger, that was the first game he ever went to as a lad. And it's it, it's even though 1972 probably doesn't sound that far away. It's like watching football from a different universe in terms of the way Ayrson Park looked, the the lack of advertising hoardings, the kits that the players were wearing. Obviously, the, they had the old sideboards and the the, the, the hair. And it, it's just a it's just a brilliant film and there's some some fantastic footage of football from that era. 
Um, and you know, it's, I think it's a season that um, might have been leatherhead. There was some, you know, when the FA Cup was a big deal, that's a really good documentary. It was on YouTube until quite recently. Well, excuse my ignorance on this, but there's a tennis film coming out later this month about the female tennis player who, who came up against the bloke. I think she wanted to eat. Oh, oh yeah, Billie, Billie Jean King. King. Yeah, and that looks good. Yeah, I think yeah. I saw that advertised last night. And, and Would it be better than Wimbledon? The one with Scarlett Johansson, however it was, who was in it. I forget who was in it. I mean, it's, it's strange how sport doesn't really translate to no. film, isn't it? It's getting the action right, isn't it? Gilmore fans and obviously <laughs> But it's getting the, the action never looked convincing, does no, it? No, no. When you think of the, the football scenes in football films, you know, the, yeah, Escape the Victory is the one that most people point to every Christmas. But isn't that documentary? <laughs> well, could it, it could be. You've got this, you know, you've got this, this you've got body doubles, haven't they? Because I think it was the Ipswich Town team who were pretty much the, the players who, from a distance, you saw. And then you'd see somebody making a 40 yard run, and the camera would close up on um, whoever it was. Michael Caney didn't have a bead of sweat on his forehead <laughs> or whatever. But yeah, it's, it, that, that's the problem with sports films, I think. But the, 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 the action just doesn't translate. It looks, it looks choreographed, it looks forced, doesn't it? And yeah. uh, I think that's. Um, I mean, it wasn't a film, but I, I really enjoyed The Manageress, which was a. Again, it's on YouTube, you can watch it. It came out in the late 80s, early 90s, and it was a drama, and it was. Um, it was Sherry Lungy was the uh, was the actress who became the first female manager of football club. And it's really well done. Kings it, Park, Kings, yeah. The, the 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 ground that they used to base it on was Reading's old ground, and like the chairman was. Um, what was that uh, called? Reading's the manager at oh, no, Elm Park. All right. And it was um, although it was clearly fiction, there were some really good pressing things that came up in it, such as predicting how you know football would change and become more. Of a, of a product and, it, and it's uh, as I said I think it was 89-90 it came out and it's um, Warren Clark's the chairman he's fantastic in it a real sort of um, old fashioned you know spiv type chairman and uh, obviously we still never had a female manager in professional men's football but nonetheless the, the women's role within the games changed massively to the point where you've got Karen Brady as a managing director, or whatever, she, whatever she's been at Birmingham and West Ham, and uh, it's it again. It's if you, if you if you've got a you know a spare few hours on a night on these dark winter nights, it's worth de- definitely worth YouTubing. Excellent. Well, I think that'll do us. Like I say, apologies for it being a bit shorter than than uh, usual today, but I'm going to that killer's gig where I'm going to be on the lookout for Coronation Street stars and two of the members, Lucas Jupiter, <laughs> former Sunderland second choice keeper. Get your own arena. Get your own arena. (laughs) Thank you. Cheers. Thanks a lot.